Louise McSharry on 2FM. Uh, now, though, it is time for us to talk news. We are joined by the wonderful, the charming, the Beyonce of Derry, Aoife Moore, <laughs> the Irish Examiner. Hello, Aoife. Every week, it's still funny. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Look, you, you're the one who said it. I'm just going with your decision to call yourself the Beyonce of Derry. That's that's all I'm it's doing. It's fine. It's, it's, it hasn't caught on in public yet, but I'm hoping it will eventually. And come here, you're, you're in Derry. I am. Is we are intercounty travelling, yep, up with my fully vaccinated parents. Oh, I just so, can't, I can only imagine it's just, was it emotional? Uh, yeah, it was. It was pretty emotional. It's been a rough couple of weeks and then yeah. obviously being paranoid about my mommy and daddy getting COVID because my mommy's a frontline worker in a supermarket as well. So, yeah, yeah, uh, but to have them both fully vaccinated and my granda, who is 86, has been fully vaccinated for a while and that was my major concern. And he's, even though he didn't care about COVID at all, but I really did, so. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. Well, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you got to go home and see them. Um, Anyway, I'm going to put you to work now. Uh, You may be home, but you're working um, Mm -hmm. for me. No, I'm joking. Um, But we have a lot to talk about. So let's stay with vaccines, I suppose, and get the, the usual COVID update. How are we getting on? Yeah, so there was 425 new cases yesterday, four further deaths, which is what we've come to expect. Um, You know, we've always kind of mulled around 300, 400. Mm. Um, More bad news, however, um, is that the HSE was the victim of a ransomware attack yesterday. So basically, they don't actually know when it happened. I mean, the system shut down yesterday, or in the middle of, well, the early hours of yesterday morning, however... I was reading some articles about this and basically these things can be lying for weeks and then they kind of activate Mm. the ransomware. So they said it could be anything from, you know, clicking on an attachment in an email, clicking on a link, you know, someone who has a HSE email address. Imagine you're that person. I know. Imagine. I know. So basically what these hackers do is they shut down all the systems in the HSE digital system, computer Mm. system. And then they send you a ransom note. They basically send a ransom note to the Irish government saying, give us some money and we'll give you all your stuff back. So it's like something out of a film, to be honest. But this also happened in Germany to their health service. Mm. Um, It was actually responsible for, they believe it was responsible for the death of someone in Germany. Wow. um, Because it caused so much havoc at the hospital. But anyway, so it happened yesterday. They said it was... You know, it could be a number of days ending next week before it's sorted out. Thousands of patients are now going to have cancelled appointments. Mm. Um, some of it is incredibly worrying. We know that cancer appointments, you know, for radiation yep. uh, appointments were cancelled. You know, uh, women, pregnant women to go for their appointments have been cancelled. COVID wasn't so affected in the way that they just turned all the COVID testing centres into walk-in centres. Mm. Um, but things like contact tracing are really affected and it's just the worst possible. And there's no good time to hack no. a health service, but it is, they obviously knew what they were doing, you know, worst possible moment for this to happen. Um, the guard are involved. Interpol are now involved as well. Wow. Um, and the Taoiseach said yesterday, you know, we're not going to be paying any ransom and we won't. The way he said it was very cork. He said, we won't be engaging in any of that sort of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so- <laughs> Fair enough, but uh, well, what does that mean then? If you know, it means basically that um, they basically told everyone in the HSE to turn all their computers off because the hackers can't access the systems if they're turned off, I believe. Um, but you know, 
everyone's back on the phones, pens and paper and it's very, very slow and it'll be next week, they reckon, before they're actually all back up and running again. You but how do they, sorry now, you may not be able to answer this, but <laughs> how do they get back up and running if they're not going to give the ransom and mm-hmm. the hackers, I feel, I actually feel like I'm in a film. The hackers still have access to the systems. Do they build new systems? Yeah. Build a new wall? Am yeah, I Donald Trump now? I know. Like, I'm sure there's computer people listening. They'll yeah. have this conversation. Banging their like heads against the desk. Yeah. Idiots. But yeah, basically they re they make new systems and they keep try and kick the hackers out of the system. Right. Okay. And it will involve, like, as I said, like Interpol and stuff involved. This has happened to other countries, so I'm yeah. sure there is there's a ways. Protocol. Yeah. Yeah. Of wow. what you're supposed to do. How wild though. I do not envy anyone in IT and HSE um this week. Um no. No. Um, okay, let's talk about Boris Johnson is to meet uh, on Taoiseach to discuss Northern Ireland and the response to COVID-19 because obviously there's been some complications there with our, our border. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they actually <laughs> met. <laughs> they met yesterday. Um, oh, so, they did? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. the Taoiseach went to checkers yesterday to meet Boris Johnson um, to talk about a number of things, COVID, Brexit. Um, but the main thing on the top of everyone's mind, I think, was Bally Murphy. Yeah. On top of the Taoiseach's mind anyways, Bally Murphy. So this year, or sorry, this week, um, the Bally Murphy families um, received words of what they always had known, that their family members who were shot by the British Army in 1971 in Bally Murphy in Belfast were innocent. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there was a priest shot, you know, mothers of young children were shot. And it had been 50 years for them to get answers. Mm. And in... A way only Boris Johnson can do. He managed to insult them further mm-hmm. um, when the inquest came out. He didn't apologise directly to them. He sent, he emailed a letter and it wasn't even individual letters for individual families. I've seen a copy of the letter. It was like all their names shoved at the top. Mm. Um, and it was, he then said he apologised when he was in a meeting with the Sinn Féin leader and the leader of the DUP and Northern Ireland leaders, they then said that that didn't happen. Um, Even if it did, though, you know, (laughs) apologising in a meeting with a closed door to people who aren't actually the people you should be apologising to Mm -hmm. is not the one. Yeah, exactly. And this is just so Boris Johnson anyway, you know, no manners whatsoever. And um, the families were incredibly insulted, um, insulty, serious injury, and... um, they weren't pleased about it. So anyway, Micheál Martin went yesterday. The meeting had been planned for quite a long time, mm. but he went yesterday and the Taoiseach did a press conference when he came back and he said, I do think Boris Johnson understands the situation now, mm. which makes me feel like Micheál Martin had to explain the situation oh, to him. I would love to have been a fly on that one. <laughs> I actually wrote a piece about this in the Examiner. The fact that Micheál Martin is a teacher yeah. by trade probably yeah. would have been helpful in this yeah. instance. For sure. Um, because uh, teachers generally know how to deal with people who believe they know everything. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so they met yesterday. You know, there's a lot of talk on resetting the relationship. You know, they were saying that the British-Irish relationship has been, you know, very damaged from Brexit and all the fallout. So yeah. this is a good thing, as frustrating as it is. Yeah. It's important that these meetings happen. It's important that we repair the relationship between... Mm. Britain and Ireland um, but it can be you know I think you would need the patience of a saint at times yeah for um, sure to do it so yeah good but frustrating but I suppose that would 
explain the British Irish relationship for yeah. years is just good, good but frustrating. Yeah. Um. So, but staying with Britain and Ireland, there's talk of a kind of travel bubble between our two countries, isn't there? Yeah. So the Minister for Tourism, Catherine Martin, is going to bring proposals to government next week and it's basically there's a number of recommendations aimed at getting the state ready to start inbound tourism which would mean that you could travel within the UK to the UK and you would be allowed to return without quarantine and there would be less restrictions so it would be the kind of you know we've heard heard a lot about um, the green certificate Mm. that's independent of that that'll be for European travel but it'll be a similar thing that say like Australia and New Zealand have yeah so you can travel, you can go see family, you can go for a wee holiday, non-essential travel, and you won't have any quarantine when you come back, which I know will be a huge thing. For instance, my boyfriend or fiancé is Scottish, and he hasn't seen his flights home were cancelled at Christmas. Yeah. So he hasn't seen his family since last July. Yeah, and there's so many people on, on in both countries in the same position who just haven't seen people. And people who've, you know, experienced bereavement, people who have, mm-hmm. you know, gone through, you know, major life event cancellations and really difficult times kind of on their own will be able to see family again. I think that's huge. And, and selfishly, yeah. you know, I am of a generation where most of my best friends decided yeah. to move to London. So I very much look forward to being reunited with them. That's really positive. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we need to talk about what's happening in Gaza. Um, mm-hmm. And I know this is very complicated, so you've got a big job. Um, yeah. But I believe in you. <laughs> Thanks so much. When I saw this on the list, I was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, there obviously has been ongoing issues between us, uh, Israel and Palestine for a long time. However, this particular one kicked off during Eid. So there, the Muslim uh, religious festival, and there was a number of people being, I'm not going to say evicted, but removed from their homes mm-hmm. during Eid. This started <clears throat> a number of riots, and it's basically kicked off from there. So there was a report just this morning out that said that Israeli fire hit a refugee camp in Palestine um eight children and two women all belong belonging to the same family were killed so there's been you know numerous um deaths mostly on the Palestinian side there have been deaths in Israel as well so the best way to describe it is Israel has a huge military called Mm -hmm. the IDF they are funded um a lot by America and they have been firing rockets into Palestine and they have already talked about using ground troops which is incredibly worrying mm-hmm. uh, on the other side Palestine there's a paramilitary organization called Hamas they also have been firing rockets into Israel this in no way is a fair fight Israel is a much stronger much bigger military force um, and this is kind of the result of the kind of stuttering of the peace process mm. in uh, Palestine and Israel it kind of came apart about 10 years ago mm. and in the time since the Israeli Prime Minister is this nationalist called Benjamin Netanyahu mm. he's very ultra-nationalist and he is mad under the military and the stuttering of the peace process has been a factor because of him mm. there's also been repeated um elections in Israel because they cannot form a government mm. he can't get enough people to support his party in government to go on the kind of coalition they've had i think three elections in the last couple of years so politically they're also kind of adrift and the thing is a lot of palestinian people cannot vote mm. 
mm. and the people who can vote you know are always going to be in the minority so they're always going to be on the back foot when it comes to dealing with Israel yeah but I think the scariest thing about it is this we're seeing like the number of civilian deaths we're seeing you know women and children um, being displaced and you know everyone has seen the videos they're everywhere oh, this week it's of just like heartbreaking the I mean, other truly. thing is that in Gaza especially, I think it's something like 40% of the population in Gaza is under 17. So most of the people, most likely the people that you're going to hit are going to be children um, when you're firing rockets into there. And I think, you know, the news this morning of firing rockets into a refugee camp is just, there is no excuse. Mm. Um, they're saying that they're, the Israel army saying that they're hitting um, targets, you know, tunnels. They've killed Hamas leaders, mm. but they have also, there has also been a lot of civilian death. Mm. And I think, you know, turning a blind eye, which has been done for the last 10 years. I know how important peace processes are and I know that they're a process and you need to stick at them and turning your head away because it's a bit complicated and the politics is a bit messy doesn't serve anyone and it only affects you know the most vulnerable people yeah and the UN and all these you know organizations are coming out saying you know we need we need to do something people need to get back around the table but there needs to be actions rather than words and we're seeing a lot of hand wringing yeah. about what's happening and not a lot of action so you would hope that in the next few days if not immediately people come to the fore and I don't know whether it's something like sending you know ambassadors yeah, I don't know, or Joe Biden saying something, but something has to be done because yeah. it is uh, the most vulnerable people are always the most affected when it comes to conflict. Yeah, thank you so much, Eva, for explaining that because it is. <laughs> I know it's it's a very tricky thing to talk about because it's very complex yeah. and there is a long and layered history there. But it is so important that, as you say, that we don't turn away and that all of us keep our eyes open to what's going on because it's you know people have the power and you know the bigger a stink is kicked up by people around mm -hmm. the world the more likely it is that we can see change okay and then very quickly uh, Joe Biden is delighted with himself <laughs> because he's been able to relax the uh, restrictions for vaccinated Americans and things just seem to be going very well there in terms of the vaccine yeah so they basically told them um you don't have to wear masks um so they basically said if you've been fully vaccinated you no longer have to wear um, a mask indoors. This is something he said something like, "This is something you've earned," hmm. and everyone now, you know, there was a lot of um, worry at the start that people might think I'm rude because I'm not wearing my mask yeah. in the shop or whatever, and people were getting on to people saying, "Why aren't you wearing one?" And they're saying, "Oh, because I'm vaccinated." So basically, there had been a lot of confusion, and Joe Biden came out and said, "You know, you don't have to wear a mask now." Um, because this is something you've earned by getting your vaccine. It's also to try and, f what's the word, persuade people who haven't yeah. got the vaccine to, to get, get it. it. Yeah. Because in America, we know there's a lot of vaccine hesitancy. Mm. I actually saw this week that if you get it in the New York subway system, you get free train a free train ride. Yeah. If um, you get it in certain states, they're giving people money. In other ones, they're entering you and they a, lo a lottery and you can win a college scholarship. It makes sense. I it mean, does. you got to get people vaccinated, whatever, however it like, whatever way it takes, because that's the way for everyone to be safe is for everyone to be vaccinated. Um, well, that's great. And uh, I am we're speaking to Deputy CMO, uh, Dr. Ronan Glynn later on in the program. And I'm looking forward to asking him about when we might be able to take our masks off. <laughs> um, so thank you very much, Aoife Moore, nice. uh, political correspondent for the Irish Examiner, a star as always. Enjoy your time with your family, Aoife. Louise McSherry on 2FM.